0: So in the business setting, a coach is basically someone who will not tell you what to do, but who will ask questions with the intention or with the function to make you think, to make you think maybe differently, to look at something from a different perspective that you might not have yourself.
1: Welcome to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. While there are a ton of other leadership podcasts out there on the interwebs, this is the only one solely dedicated to developing undergraduate leaders in numerous fields. We bring in interesting leaders from a variety of disciplines and industries to dish out practical advice for entrepreneurial undergraduates embarking on their professional careers you'll hear from leaders operating at all levels. CEOs and other C-suite individuals who are at the top of their industries, mid-career professionals only several years removed from their college days, and young leaders in school who are already doing amazing things. We feature leaders from business, diplomacy, education, journalism, engineering, law, medicine, and the sports world. It's all part of our mission here at the piscino Leadership Institute. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode.
2: Welcome, everyone, to the Seton Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is Kai Jesus, and today I'll be your host. For this episode, we welcome Thomas Jelmy as our guest. Thomas Jelmy is a development coach for interpersonal development, which supports leaders and teams' developments in multiple industries. Interpersonal has worked with companies such as Red Bull, Ford, Expedia, Swiss International Airlines, and the World Trade Organization. His coaching skill, which focuses on personal and interpersonal competence in leadership, teamwork, and customer contact, earned him a spot on the Forbes Accord to Council of 2020. Not only is he a speaker, but he also creates podcasts and videos for his teachings. Furthermore, he wrote the book Breakthrough, What Cabin Crew Can Teach You About Leadership, Teamwork, and Customer Contact, which examines interpersonal relationships in the confined space of an aircraft. Thomas Jelmy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me, Kai.
2: Okay, so my first question that I have is, while you were in school, some of your studies focused on business administration, general management. How did you turn these studies into a job in coaching?
0: Okay, well, let me first distinguish between leadership and management, right? If you imagine a triangle where you have the manager as a function, and then the people, the person is leading, the employees, the team members, we have on the one hand side, a task oriented part of this leadership task, which we call management. And the other part of the triangle, the other angle is the people oriented part, which we would call leadership. And my focus is not so much on management, but on leadership. So it's very behavioral. It's all about what works uh, in the interaction between human beings, what motivates people what demotivates people what escalates conflict what de-escalates conflict so that's my focus if that answers your question Mm
2: -hmm. can you talk about your reasoning like when did you realize the split between management and leadership
0: well it's not that i invented the split it's a known distinction but for me it was very early in my in my career it became it became clear and became obvious that what really matters in organizations is the leadership part you know when it's about people how to deal with people because no matter whether you're in b2b business or in b2c business uh, most people will know the uh, these these acronyms it's business to business or business to consumer no matter what it's always h to h It's human to human. And you cannot manage people. Well, you can manage a payroll, you can manage the people that you have on your payroll, but end of the day, if you wanna be effective, you need to lead people. And very often these leadership skills, these personal and interpersonal skills are referred to as soft skills. And most of you probably heard the term before, soft skills. And then there are the hard skills, which implies a little bit, or it has a it has a slight connotation of soft skills not being as important as the hard skills that really matter, right? To me, in my experience, is really the opposite. It's really the other way around. What really counts are the people skills, and that's why I also don't call them soft skills, but essential skills.
2: Mm-hmm. So. You just not like the soft skills like term at all.
0: Yeah, it's not that I dislike it, but I think it it, it has this implicit, you know, connotation that because it's soft, it's not so important, right? mm-hmm. and that's what I also sometimes hear and encounter and see in organizations that managers focus more on the heart facts and the heart skills and the facts, and the figures, and the numbers, and not enough on the essential skills, as Mm -hmm. in, how do I really engage with people? How do I really connect with other human beings in an authentic way? How do I build and maintain relationships? Also, when it gets a bit bumpy along the way when conflict arises and the tension goes up. These are the truly essential skills. And I, and this of course doesn't mean that the, you know, the hard facts and the numbers, etc., are not important. Of course, you need to get the numbers right if you want to run a business and be successful. But there needs to be a balance. There needs to be an equilibrium.
2: Mm-hmm. So I guess on the on a personal level, if you, if one person is thinking about their management skills versus their leadership skills? How does that sort of like, what is that balance? What is like, how does that intertwine, I guess, on a personal level rather than on a business level?
0: Yeah, what's the balance you asking? Well, there's a quote by, I think it's uh, Theodore uh, Roosevelt who said, people don't care how much you know before before they know how much you care. So when talking about the equilibrium, For example, as a leader, many leaders, especially young leaders who are new in a first uh, management or team leader role, for example, they try to position themselves and get accepted by their team by showing how much they know, by showing and by demonstrating how skilled and how competent they are because that's what they learned right you got you got to know your stuff and you got to come across as knowledgeable and competent well the worst thing that can happen if you try to gain your team's acceptance like that is that people feel intimidated or maybe even anxious because there's somebody who there's apparently someone who knows a lot who is very competent and maybe knows best or knows better all the time. (laughs) And every time I say something, yeah, I get a comment. So when we talk about balance, it's really about turning the whole thing 180 around, which would mean that if you really want to be accepted by your team and have followers as a leader, because only then you are a leader when you have followers, make it a priority to first gain trust, to first connect with people, show that you care, not just about yourself and the business, but also about them. And that's the basis for excellent collaboration, for effective collaboration, for high performance. And then you can add on top Uh, and demonstrate on top of that how much you know and how well you know the business and how competent you are. Then that's a welcome cherry on the top, but it's not uh, the basis when we talk about effective leadership.
2: So it seems like a lot of your, the basis of your teachings is showing people that you care. And I guess you, you, I've said in the intro that you work with a lot of big companies, but for someone, say an undergraduate leader, how would you focus on like beginning these things? Because I like a lot of your teachings probably co- comes with a lot of life experience and a lot of just like thinking hard on it. How would you advise someone who's just starting to think about mm. it? How would you what would you say to them?
0: OK, well, first of all, uh, be aware of it. That's the first step into any change or development or or learning. Raise your awareness about the importance of these these type of skills. And then do, do, do the research, right? Do the research online. Research about communication skills, about conflict management skills. Research about the importance of trust, for example, in the workplace. And what will generate trust and what will break trust. So that's, you know, the first thing. Learn about the options that you have. Or maybe you want to sign up for an online class, for an e-learning program about interpersonal skills. Or sign up at a course at your uh, your university that offers this kind uh, of development. That's really the most important thing. Don't, um, Don't position it as a side thing you know, as a second priority thing, but really understand that this is, um, this needs to be a priority and then make it lifelong learning. You know, Mm -hmm. try things, try, let's make a concrete example. Try what happens when you make listening, genuine listening with the intention to understand the other person's position, a priority. And then okay. just observe what happens, how's the response? How does it change the quality of the interaction? If I make a priority to understand the other person before I insist on being understood, can you see the difference? Mm-hmm. One is ego-driven. I want, I want you to understand my point of view, that's ego-driven. And the other is, I want to understand your point of view so that we can create a basis, align, find a common solution together, You see, that's much more effective. Just make experiences and observe and uh, maybe start a diary, you know. Mm -hmm. Write down your notes. What went well today? Where did I, where was I effective today in my interpersonal interactions with others? What worked well? What might I need to change? You know, things like that boost the growth and learning because you make it systematic. You you're learning through experience but in a systematic way because you add reflection to it
2: so you like you we've been talking about your research or someone would have to research in order to get better mm-hmm. just on a starting level scale how much of this research what is the balance between doing the research on just your observations and doing research on looking up online because you also mentioned looking through cl- looking at classes at your university or maybe doing some internet research what is the balance how much of each should you do
0: well you know knowing something knowing how something works because you looked it up with that you stay on the level of knowledge of know-how but what really counts of course is then how you transfer this into real life into into do-how so to speak and for that piece the practical experience is is necessary is needed so Looking it up and understanding how the mechanism is, for example, of conflict management is really the smaller part, the larger part and the emphasis I would really put on uh, trying things, making experiences, and then thinking about these experiences, reflecting upon them. That's where the biggest chunk of learning really, um, really happens.
2: So how much of people's non-work-related lives could you see improving just with your coaching or with, your, with what you teach?
0: It's mm-hmm. uh, a great question. A lot, <laughs> a lot, actually. And, you know, I coach executives. I work with, you know, high-level managers and mm-hmm. organizations also. Um, and it's really not not rare. It's quite common that we start off uh, coming from a business angle, of course, with a with a business topic, with business related uh, challenge that we want to work on, and it often is behavioral. It often has to do with uh, getting people getting people to to do what needs to be done, like motivation, you know, influencing skills, conflict management, stuff like that. And then, you know, maybe the third, the fourth coaching session into the process, we suddenly were suddenly uh, talking about how's it going with the family at home, you know, because things are much more interconnected than we tend to believe. And the beauty about the topics that I focus on is personal and interpersonal development. The beauty about this is that if you increase your skills, improve your skills in these domains. The benefit is not limited to the workplace, of course. You improve your communication skills, every aspect of your life will benefit from it. And all the, you know, the the approaches and the methods and the topics, they also work at home. And that also brings opportunities because then this means, uh, your entire life and also family life, your your relationships, your friends, etc, you have you have opportunities to try out things and rehearse and get experiences, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so one thing that I got from that is that yes, it definitely helps your personal life as well, but which comes first, fostering your personal interpersonal relationships, your personal life to improve your work life or vice versa?
0: Oh, both both can, can work. Both can work. You know, I have this example. A few years back, I, uh, I ran a communication, no, actually a leadership development program, including communication skills in the US. It was a, a, a two-part program, three or four days, I believe, and then a, a break of eight weeks where people went into practical application and, and, and trying things and, and stuff. And then we had a second part another three or four days. And then in a, in a coffee break, one participant uh, approached me and said, hey, Thomas, I got to show you something. And then he showed me his smartphone. And he said, look, this saved my marriage. And I was a bit, I was a bit puzzled, you know? And I said, well, that's, that's interesting because normally with these things, it's the other way around, right? They kill relationships. And, and he said, no, 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 look here. This is what I want to show you. I set myself a reminder that popped up every morning or that pops up every morning. Mm -hmm. And there's only one thing it says. It says, talk less, listen more. And that's it. Every day in the morning, bing, here comes the reminder. Talk less, listen more. Now, he put this reminder or he just set this reminder up for his workplace, for improving his Uh, workplace communication. Now, interestingly enough, his wife was the first person to notice the difference. And it really made a great, it made a huge uh, impact or change in in his personal relationship, even though he was focusing on improving his workplace efficiency, etc. So it's difficult to say which comes first probably the one that, would, that will benefit the most from you improving will show the first effects, uh, will show the first mm-hmm. um, impact or signs of impact, yeah.
2: We've talked, this, most of this conversation has been about interpersonal relationships, but that sort of depends on a person being confident to talk to people. What no. tips do you have for people that aren't as confident in having conversations?
0: Oh, that's a great question, and I would even go one step further, because it's not only about confidence, it's also about uh, personality style and preferences, right? So the classical distinction is between extroverts and introverts, right? Some people are just naturally more outgoing, and they easily connect with others. They approach people, they start a conversation, because that's their comfort zone, right? Right? Now on the other end, we find more introvert, more reserved uh, people that talk less. Now here comes the interesting perspective on that. In my opinion, and also in my experience, introverts, and we always talk about tendencies. We all have both, but we have a preference. So people who have an introversion as a preference, they have certain qualities that are absolutely beneficial to interpersonal communication, for example. They naturally tend to listen more and listen better, right? be more in the listening mode. Now, in leadership, in effective leadership, in sales, in customer interaction, et cetera, et cetera, it becomes more and more obvious that listening end of the day is more important than talking. An extrovert person, for example, might approach a client or in in a leadership context, have a a conversation with the team by talking a lot, right? By telling them what to do, by telling them their opinion, by by telling. Now, telling can also cause resistance, right? Because adult people generally don't really like others to tell them what to do. They wanna decide themselves maybe you can help me find out what to do but yeah you know don't impose things on me right and in in such a in, in, in such a case um, a rather introvert person might ask the team okay guys we have this issue now what are your ideas what can we do about this let me hear your your opinions and stay in their comfort zone and be in the listening mode, which can activate people, you know, and make people more engaged because oh, apparently my my opinion is 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 interesting, right? I'm asked to 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 think, to bring up um, suggestions, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know the idea that people who are more outgoing and more outspoken are also more effective, it is a myth. It's a myth. When it comes to uh, confidence, because you asked the question regarding confidence, right? And then I took it from there. The question regarding confidence is really to, or to increase your confidence, is to let go of the idea of having to be perfect. in in everything you say or do uh, and knowing all the answers and and just being perfect. Let go of this idea of perfection and, you know, go about an an interaction with, with curiosity and let's see how this goes. There's nothing I can do wrong. I can just be myself and do my best and that's good enough, right? Because then you will be more relaxed and you will be more authentic, more like, yourself right and therefore more effective in connecting with the other person right it it may sound it may sound a bit counterintuitive but that's what happens right
2: Mm -hmm. so it doesn't seem to be about completely doing a 180 and changing yourself it's just taking stock in what you know to be true about yourself and then growing your potential from there
0: absolutely Absolutely. No, no, it's not about 180. It's just about um, understanding what really counts and, and then putting the emphasis on that. So a common problem that a lot of people have been
2: seeing throughout this pandemic was the mixing of the home and work life, especially with teleworking and people basically having to invite their coworkers, quote unquote, into their homes what sort of balance is there between fostering an interpersonal relationship with your coworkers and keeping it professional? And also, I guess, keeping it sane in these times.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. So one thing that comes to mind uh, in this regard is um, having a, uh, yeah, having a conscious separation of the, of the two worlds, right? This is my work. This is my, private life in up in my mind, right? In an internal separation for me and the role awareness, which means that just imagine for a moment when you get up in the morning, yeah? And you're in this home office setting, but also when you go to the office, it doesn't really make a difference for the example. When you get up in the morning, when you go to work, you enter a a game. A playing field and a game. And that's where the whole day long, this game of your organization that you work for is being played. Now, when you go to work, you step into your role in this game. And you play the game to the best of your abilities. And of course, you are engaged and you identify with the role. And that's all good. That's all great stuff. And most of us are really good at that at identifying with the role and and doing the best possible job we can, right? And to thrive in the role, that's the goal. What most or many are not so good at is to be A, aware that I'm in the role while I'm playing the game and B, stepping out of the role again, you know, in the evening, on the weekend, during my vacation, to really be also completely off and not always on, right? And you just imagine an American football game, right? With the guys, you know, the big guys with the shoulder pads and the helmets. When they enter the, the game, they're in the game in their role and it can be rough. You can be kicked, you can be run over, you know, and you can fall and, and, and yeah, it can be bumpy, but this is part of the game. It's nothing personal. That's how I would recommend to approach it. Especially when at the workplace, you come, you, you come into difficult situations. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe you have an unhappy customer calling you. Something went wrong. No, there was a mistake. And now the customer is calling you and you get the full load on the phone. It's nothing personal. It's you in your role that is now getting this complaint and the requirement to your, on your role is to you know deal with this in a professional way don't let it go don't let it come too close to you it's not personal you know i i tend to say that the the big ships on the ocean sailing on the ocean the container ships they don't sink because of the water that's around them they sink because of the water that gets inside them so see yourself you know as 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 a ship you know don't let the water come in let it come close but yeah create a safety buffer by being aware of your role while you're playing the game at the workplace, and then also step out of the role when you're, uh, when you're done working. And I hope you're done working at some point, <laughs> you know. And in the, in, in the home office setting, that's where you're coming from with your, with your question. In a home office setting, this becomes even more important. To be connected while you're in the role, to have genuine interaction, authentic connection and relationships with the people you work with and you interact with virtually, of course. but then also stepping out of the role and, and making a clear, you know, a clear line and not be available 24/7 or be in your role 24/7. and maybe even having difficulties falling asleep at night because of the issues of your role they don't have anything to do in bed with you, right? They better stay on that (laughs) playing field and in the game, right? So that would be uh, my answer to that question.
2: So it seems like that the identification of the roles and even the interpersonal relationships are just as important as the fostering of the interpersonal relationships themselves.
0: Yes, yes, of course, yeah. And the relationship you have with yourself and how well you care for and about yourself. You know, the one most important relationship you have in your entire life and you will ever have is the relationship with yourself. That's Mm -hmm. often overlooked and underestimated.
2: Whenever you're coaching someone, do you ever find yourself thinking or maybe even realizing that your coaching is wrong or you're taking them in the wrong direction? And if so, what do you do?
0: Maybe we need to define coaching, because there's a clear distinction between coaching and, for example, training. Yeah, or consulting. These are different methods, right? A consultant would analyze the situation and then give you a solution, a concept that needs to be implemented. A trainer would a trainer knows something or is able to do something that you're not, and He or she is teaching you how to do it and is really giving you advice and pointing you in a certain direction, et cetera, et cetera. That's what a trainer does. A coach, per definition, and now we're talking about coaching in the business environment, not a sports coach. There's a difference. So in the business setting, a coach is basically someone who will not tell you what to do, but who will ask questions. The instrument in coaching is questions. Questions with the intention or with the function to make you think, to make you think maybe differently, to look at something from a different perspective that you might not have or look at it from um, yourself asking questions that you would not ask yourself because you like part of the problem or part of the issue, right? And therefore cannot have the outside view, the so-called blind spots that we have. And with the intention to help you come to your own conclusions, come to your own answers, come to your own solutions, that's coaching. And so, of course, yeah, sometimes expert advice can be included, but generally speaking, in my coaching practice, I am not trying to to push or influence someone to go into a certain direction. That would be that would be manipulation, so to speak, right? So I'm helping as I as I said earlier. That, that's that's the way coaching works.
2: So in a sense you're not actually You're just trying to get them to look at a different perspective rather than telling them what the perspective is.
0: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. You know, uh, Sir John Whitmore, who was a pioneer in coaching, he said an oak tree, a big, huge oak tree has already got everything it needs to become a huge oak tree in the seed. Everything is in there already. The whole potential is in there already. That's the basic assumption in coaching. So the assumption, if I were to coach you, would be that you already have all the potential you need. I just need to support you or help you to tap into that potential and bring it out and discover it, discover what's there, as in uncovering it you know what keeps you from shining what keeps you from really bringing out the best in you that's there right that's that's more the nature of uh, of coaching yes
2: so does everyone have this type of p- potential
0: no not everybody has the same potential but everybody has potential yes absolutely okay and 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 you know maybe as a a last remark, this to me is really the the purpose of life. To know your potential, get to know your essence and who you really are and who you're meant to be and bring this out, make it shine. And by doing so, contribute to a higher good, to the purpose of an organization, of a team, of a community. If you're able to do that, that's a good life.
2: So thank you for talking with me today. Your advice and your insights greatly appreciated. However, I do have one sort of, one more sort of question for you. And that's what sort of podcasts or books do you recommend in order to become a better leader?
0: Well, of course, my own book with the title Breakthrough. And it has this subtitle, uh, What Cabin Crew Can Teach You About Leadership, Teamwork, and Customer Contact. Why is that? Because... In my professional background, I used to work for Swissair for almost ten years, which was the Swiss national airline. And um, in this book, I um, I talk about some of the main principles in my work, but with the metaphor metaphor of cabin crew work in a, in an airplane. It's like a little company on you know, thirty thousand feet, where customer contact, leadership, and uh, and teamwork, uh, all happen. So that would be my main recommendation. And then, you know, other than that, it's so difficult to point out something, just look up, uh, on Amazon or on, on podcast, uh, uh, providers, what you find about leadership. There's a lot of good stuff out there.
2: Okay. Thanks again for talking with me today. What a, I, I enjoyed talking to you. Definitely.
0: Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me.
1: On behalf of everyone at the Bucino Leadership Institute, I'd like to thank all of our podcast listeners, the podcast team, as well as 89.5 WSOU Pirate Radio for allowing us to use their facilities. Follow us online at www.shu.edu backslash leadership and on Twitter at Leadership. At Seton Hall, we make leaders better.